walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult, every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. as we sit here in the darkness it's a chance to reflect on what it was like before Christ came 400 years of silence no word from God let's sing of, of Jesus our light oh come let us adore him oh come let us Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That is what we're here to do tonight, is to praise his name, Emmanuel, and we're glad that you're worshiping with us this evening. I'd like you to pray with me if you would. Father, we thank you for this time of year that we can pause and remember uh, the birth of our Savior. I pray now that as we look into your word and consider a few things from it, uh, that you'd speak to our hearts in a way that only you can do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It wasn't too long ago that uh, our family took a vacation, and we went to southeastern Tennessee. And while we were there, or before we went, actually, people said, you know, you really should go a little bit further south to Asheville, North Carolina, and see the Biltmore Estate. And so uh, we, I took a picture I think, do we have that picture? Yeah, there it is. I took a picture of the Biltmore Estate, built by, I think his name was George, George Vanderbilt, one of the Vanderbilts, multi, multi, multi-millionaire, but he built it back in the 1890s, and Biltmore is the kind of the name place in Holland where the, the Vanderbilts came from, the built, and then the moor is an Anglo-Saxon word which means wide open space. And we had heard about it, and we, people told us, you got to go see it. And so my wife bought tickets online, and we uh, made haste to get there once we got to southeastern Tennessee and went south into North Carolina, and we saw this place. We hadn't been there very long until it became very, very evident that all the raving that people had made about this place was really true. It's amazing. 
And then as we left, you know, we, we have no problem. I have no problem telling other people that this is really an amazing place. And as we drove away, we were kind of not literally, but in our hearts and minds, we're going, well, that was a good thing. We were singing the praises of being at, at the Biltmore. As I thought about that, I thought, you know, it's a lot like what happened with the shepherds after they had had this angels in the outfield encounter in the fields around Bethlehem. They, they, were, they did something after that. They had heard and so then they made haste to go find out. And they were all about seeing the, this thing that had been told them by the shepherds. They were committed to do it. And once they got there, it was like, wow, this is really a big deal. And then when they left, they were singing the praises. They stopped to consider this message that, yeah, this really is the, the, the Son of God. They went to confirm it. Once they confirmed it, they were willing to communicate it. And they were willing to celebrate it. And this, morning, or this evening as we look at Luke chapter 2, and that's where I'm going to be. If you want to look there, you can with me. I'm going to read verses 15 through 20. We're going to see that the shepherd had three responses. The shepherds had three responses to the news of Jesus' birth. And those responses, at least in my mind, they challenged me. They challenged me to, and I think challenge us, to consider, to confirm, to communicate and then to celebrate that Jesus is the Savior. I'm in Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 15 through 20. And it came about when the angel had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem and see this thing that has been happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at these things which were told them by the shepherds. And Mary pondered, or Mary pondered, uh, no, treasured all these things in her heart, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had See, heard and seen just as had been told them. First thing that happened to the shepherds was they stopped to consider what was going on. In verses 15 and 16, they, immediately they had this angels, the angels appeared to them, and then they mutually decided, hey, we got, we got to go check this out. Just like we decided we better go check out the Biltmore Estate. They said, we got to go look, we have to go look and see that which has been made known to us. The birth of this Jesus. I said yesterday when I was preaching through verses 1 through 14 that the shepherds were kind of a despised lot. And this was a small group of shepherds and they were suspect because of their unscrupulous activity as well as their uncleanliness spiritually. And so this group went to find out what was going on. But they knew that God had spoken to them. I was like, they may be suspect, they may be kind of unscrupulous, but they didn't have problem figuring out that God was the one who had said something to them. And so on God's authority, they went. Now think about that. You ask somebody, where's a good place to go eat? And oftentimes you'll go. Well, you should go see the Biltmore. And 
Asheville, North Carolina. So we drove, you know, 100 miles out of our way to go see this place that people said we should go see. We're willing to do these things if another authority tells us to do it. But what if God told you to do it? What if God tells us to do it? And that's what happened here. It took God himself to get these shepherds. Now think about it. They're out there guarding the sheep. And they left. They left the sheep to fend for themselves at least for a little while. The message, is that, the message that we read on the page of Scripture, you know, you can kind of try to simulate it, but, you know, I can't be an angel and have the glory of God shining around and being, you being terribly frightened. That, that just doesn't work. It, it just doesn't kind of translate off the page as quite as spectacular as it must have been that night around Bethlehem. But the reality of it, the fact of it, is no less significant. It's no less important. Just because we read it, and because we read it, and it's been verified, it gives us greater confidence that it really is true. God is speaking through his words. It's no less significant that God is speaking to us through his word, and no less authoritative than if we were actually there hearing the angels say it to us. There has been born for you this day in the city of David, Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So tonight, I just want to ask you, the shepherds, they took some time to consider it. Would you take some time to consider at least the statement that was made by the angel? There has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. At least at Christmas time, stop to think, well, Okay, maybe. Maybe there is. Maybe it's true. They wasted no time, verse 16 tells us. They wasted no time to get there to find out, was this thing really the way it was? I made the mistake of going out today to pick something up at the mall. And everybody was making haste. And I confess, I made haste. I cut in front of somebody on a solid line, uh, and uh, I felt bad, and I you know, couldn't stop the car and apologize, but it, it's like everybody's making haste. These guys made haste. Will you at least stop to consider that what they said could be true? It could be true. To see they found the baby, it says in verse 16, as he lay in the manger. Now, I made a big deal about this yesterday, but this is the deal. In verse 7... The text says, Mary wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger. In verse 12, the angel said to the shepherds, you'll find him wrapped in clothes and laying in a manger. Verse 16 tells us they found him wrapped in clothes and laying in a manger. Or else, well, laying in a manger. The wrapped in the clothes part, it doesn't say there, but he's laid in a manger. All that happened. They considered it. And their consideration to check out the Savior, it moved them. Their curiosity, they were curious, and so they moved him to check it out. Secondly, we see in verses 17 and 19 that the, the, the conviction will lead us to communicate the Savior. What the shepherds saw when they got there was consistent with what they had been told. I made a mention of it. What Mary did, wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger, is what the angel said, is what the angel declared would be true. And it's what the people, shepherds, discovered when they got there. What people told us was that Biltmore is a really cool place. 
Well, Vanderbilt built it. Then people said it was cool. Then we went there and found out it's really true. That's the same thing that happened with the shepherds. It was told them. They went there, found out it was true. And because they found out it was true, then they decided that they would communicate that to other people. The shepherds' supernatural experience of angels in the outfield was confirmed by the reality that they experienced. Now, we have to remember that Luke is writing carefully the things that he has investigated so that people have confidence that what he's really saying is actually what happened. It's no coincidence the confirmation that moved them to communicate. Hey, well, it's just like me. When I went to the Biltmore, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I, it's a good place. I'll tell you it's a good place. They found that Jesus was there, and this was what, just as it had been told them. And so they were willing to communicate. They made known, it says, verse 17, they made known the statement which was, had been told them about, and I like the way the, the text says it, this child. Well, what statement had they been told about this child? In verse 10, it says, I'll bring you good news of a great joy which shall be for all the people. Verse 11, for today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's the statement which they made known because they had confirmed that, yes, indeed, this is the Savior based upon the sign which the angels had given to them and what had actually happened to them. Now, The word for in verse 11 gives us the cause for their joy. It also reveals the content of this good news that is to come. It is about a Savior. What interests me is that it says it's for all people. The good news is for all people. So the Savior must be able to save and deliver All people, therefore, there must be something that all people share from which they need to be delivered. And I said yesterday, I'll repeat it again today, the key, I think, is found in the definition of Savior, which is in verse 11, Christ the Lord. He is the one that was told in the Old Testament he would be the servant of the Lord, that he would bring salvation to Israel and also to all the other nations. Yeah, that's what he's doing. Well, what, what do all human beings share that they need delivered from? Or at least, at least the Bible says it. You may not agree with it, but at least that's what the Bible says. So I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says, and you can weigh it out in your own mind. The Bible says that we all need to, need to be delivered from God's wrath. Maybe you didn't expect me to say that on Christmas Eve, because it's kind of a nice time of celebrating the birth of Jesus. But the Bible says that all of us are messed up people. We're born sinful. We're sinners by nature. That's just part and parcel of what we come out of the womb as. And, you know, people argue that with me and I go, just watch a three-month-old child sometime or a six-month-old child. You'll look at them and you'll say, no. They'll look right at you, smile, and do exactly what you told them not to do. That, you don't teach them that. They got that from the get-go. And we all are sinners by choice. We make our own choice to rebel against God or to be passively indifferent towards God. We say, God, I know what you want me to do, but I don't give a rip. I'm going to do my own thing. 
Or we say, yeah, God's got an idea, but I don't really care about that. That's what the Bible calls sin. And God is holy, and so our sin deserves His punishment. That's His wrath. That's what we need to be delivered from, is the the punishment for our sins. That's why Jesus came, to deliver us from God's wrath. The Bible says in Colossians, and I think I have a slide of Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 to 4, it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him, that's Jesus, through Him to reconcile all things to Himself, having made peace through the blood of His cross. Now I want you to look at two words, reconcile. Reconcile is to take a relationship of hostility and to turn it into one of peace and goodwill. So you reconcile, now if you're an accountant, you're going to say, well, no, it means you just get your books in order, you know, so that they all balance out. Well, that's, there's, a, there's hostility, right? So you have to bring them into agreement. That's the idea. In relationships, you have to bring them into agreement. And the relationship problem is with us because we are sinful people, and so there is hostility towards us on the part of God. But then you see the word, having made peace through the blood of his cross, Our sin creates hostility, but Christ made peace with God possible through taking the punishment that we deserve for our sins when he died on the cross. So he was born to die. That's the point of Christmas. Peace with God becomes personal. He made it possible, but it only becomes personal when we each individually accept that he died in our place. His death was the payment we deserve. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, declared not guilty by faith, by means of faith, we have peace with God. We have peace with God only if we're trusting in Christ's death as the payment we deserve. We had a, my, my parents have a family friend that went to the hospital. He was diagnosed with a heart problem. Now, if the doctor came in, and said to him, well, I notice you're, you kind of have some drainage here. you got a runny nose a little bit. So we're going we're gonna to treat you for your allergies. And then send him home. That treatment would have helped him temporarily, but it certainly wouldn't have got to the root cause of what was going to end up taking his life. God sent his son not to treat sniffles, but to treat sin, to treat that which was causing our death. You see, the Bible doesn't give us a promise of financial prosperity. The Bible doesn't give us the the promise of political liberty or freedom. It doesn't give us the promise of relational harmony that we're always going to, you know, get along and sing kumbaya and, you know, everybody's got a good feel about the, everything. It doesn't give us the promise of physical tranquility that there'll be no disease. Christ came to free us from sin's poison. Sin's poison is causing our death. The only antidote for the cancer in the human soul is the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's where he paid the price that you and I deserve to pay so that if we trust in him, we don't have to pay that price. He paid it for us. I like 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his own body on the cross 
that we might, that he might die to, we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, we're healed. That's how we, we, we gain healing. Notice in verse 18, it says that uh, the, shepherd, or the other people were wondering. W-O-N-D, that's the English language, is crazy. Wondering. They were wondering. Now, you would wonder at what the shepherds said if they were untrustworthy, unscrupulous people who never came down from the hills except to see this. And now they're saying, this is the Savior of the world. He's born in a babe, as a babe in, in Bethlehem. And you would wonder. I wonder if you're wondering about all this tonight. The word wonder indicates to me curiosity, but not conviction. So that you're kind of here, yeah, well, it's kind of interesting. Maybe I never heard your take on it before. So I'm wondering about it. But now notice Mary was pondering. I think she really bought into it. She understood it. She owned it. And so you're either here wandering, and if you're wandering, then you're wandering. Okay? If you're wandering, you're wandering away from God's plan. If you're here pondering, that's good, but I like what the shepherds did. They didn't just ponder, they proclaimed. Because their conviction led to communication. And they were telling people, and those people were going, hmm, I don't know, what they're saying is kind of interesting, but I'm not sure I buy it. But I'm going to listen to it anyway. I wonder, at Christmas, if we're willing to proclaim it. Fascinating to me that God chose the shepherds who, as I said yesterday, were not even allowed because of their unscrupulous nature to testify in a court of law to be his first testimonials to the birth of Jesus. It's kind of, and I think he did that because they knew, of all the people who knew that this Son of God who is the Savior of the world would deliver them from the one thing that they needed deliverance from, which was their sin and the wrath of God. What better people to give testimony to that than the people who everybody thought, these guys are messed up people and they need delivered because they have a problem. And you know what? I go, amen, because that's me. That's every one of us. We're just like the shepherds. We need the testimony. We need to be the people who are telling people about. We're beggars who found bread just telling other beggars where we found it. And that's the shepherds. They did it. And then there's thirdly, the confirmation causes us to, to celebrate the Savior. Curiosity leads us to seek and, and kind of uh, discover it. The confirmation leads to communication, and then the confirmation causes us to celebrate. The shepherds left, it says in verse 20. And the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God. So the praise was to God, and I said here, the, we, we would cause us to celebrate the Savior, but they praised God. Why? They praised God for, because all that they had seen and heard had happened just as had been told them. It was done. This is just exactly the way it was supposed to play out. All that God said and showed them, we read. What God said to them and showed them, we read. Whether we've heard and beheld, like they did, I'm saying this, they heard with their ears and beheld the angels, or whether we have just read and believed, the consequence is the same. 
come to a point of saying that, you know, I need this Jesus. I'm going to hang myself here. I need this Jesus. I understand, Lord, that I messed up and that I deserve to die, but I thank you that you sent this baby as a babe in a manger that he'd grow up and know what it is to be a human being. He would die on a cross and pay the price so that I wouldn't have to pay it. And now I just accept that gift that you have given to me. Some of you can't wait to get home because you're going to open a package or maybe you're going to open a lot of packages tonight. If you don't open tonight, you're going to open them tomorrow. I have a question. When does the package with your name on it under the tree become yours? It's not yours now. It just has your name on it. It becomes yours when you take it, you open it, and you receive it. What Jesus Christ did in coming to this earth and dying on the cross becomes yours, your gift, your gift of salvation from the wrath of God that's due you because of your sin becomes yours when you receive it. When you personally accept his death as the payment for your sin. And you can do that in prayer just to communicate your faith. Okay, Lord, I get it. I understand that I deserve it your wrath, but I'm so grateful that I don't have to receive it because of what Jesus did. And right now I just trust that his death paid the price that I deserve to pay. And then you can have it. Christmas is about God's plan to rescue man from condemnation. And he did it through making his salvation known so that we would go into this exploration mode. And when we have exploration, it leads us to confirmation that he is really the son of God and the confirmation leads us to communication to tell other people that he's the son of God and that communication also confirmation also results in us celebrating so I hope and I pray that when you leave here tonight that you can personally celebrate that Jesus Christ is the son of God and it says in the text, For unto us is born this day, unto you this day in the city of David has been born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And I pray you leave this place and you can claim and say that he is my Savior. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for Christmas. And I thank you for the shepherds who teach us to sing your praises for the salvation you made possible through your Son. And I pray, Lord, that in the quietness of each one of our hearts, we would say, yeah, I've, I've actually considered Jesus and I actually have confirmed that he is the Lord of my life by turning from my sin and trusting him. And now I want to be better at communicating that and I certainly want to celebrate it. And I pray for those who are just kind of considering but maybe haven't confirmed it, that your spirit would work to bring them to a point of humbly acknowledging their sin and your salvation, and they would trust you fully in their lives and their hearts, that they might receive the best Christmas gift ever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, John said that the light came into the world, but the darkness did not understand it. Um, Jesus was not received by his people, but you know, to those who trust in him, uh, we have the opportunity to become children of God. And 
Jesus uh, also said that we are the light of the world. We are a city on a hill. And we have opportunity, as Steve said, to take that truth that we've received and to proclaim it. So as we sing this next song, um, we're going to uh, light our candles from the inside row and then just take that, pass it to the person next to you um, as a way to, to reflect on how um, for those of us that have become sons of God, we have opportunity to share that light uh, with those around us. So uh, hopefully you have candles as you came in. If you didn't grab one there, I think are some on the, on the table in the back.